0: Uh, before we get kind of digging into the scripture this morning, I uh, just wanted to say a, a word of thanks to my fellowship family. Uh, this has been uh, a hard week uh, for my family, a uh, hard few weeks, but uh, this week, uh, many of you may know that we've been walking through some some health struggles with my uh, my dad and my granddad and my granddad passed away uh, Monday afternoon, and uh, this week we have just felt Uh, so much love uh, from our our fellowship family. We've gotten uh, prayers and messages and meals, and uh, I know that uh, there are those of you that that came to the service on Friday. And so I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that and how much my family, on behalf of my family uh, that we're thankful for our fellowship family. You know, we talk about sharing life together in Christ, and it's in moments like these that that I'm just so thankful that those aren't just words you know, that we really do that, that you really do that. And so I just want you to know how much I appreciate that and how much, how grateful we are for our fellowship family and and that we get to share life together in Christ, the highs and the lows and everything in between. Amen. Thank you. Um, One of the things you you may not know is that uh, the day that my granddad got out of the hospital to go to rehab, uh, my dad fell and broke his hip. And so we had to go back to the hospital, and uh, he had hip surgery, and he's been in rehab for a couple weeks, and he just got got home last week, and kind of when it rains, it pours kind of thing, and uh, but he's doing a lot better, uh, but still keep him in your prayers as well. Uh, one of the things I learned when uh, he was at rehab was uh, I thought my job was hard, but a job that's really hard is the job of a physical therapist, right? I know we've got some physical therapists in our congregation, and I just want to tell you how uh, how grateful I am for you and how much I have a new appreciation for that profession because uh, essentially their entire job is to make people do things that they don't want to do, right? <laughs> uh, because they know it's, it's for their good, right? Uh, but it doesn't feel like it in the moment, right? Uh, they have to ask people that are already hurting to do things that are going to hurt even more. And, and that's hard, right? Uh, I know my dad was in a lot of pain every time he moved his hip, but the physical therapist's job was to teach him exercises that moved his hip, right? So, um, so I know that my dad, to my dad and others in those particular situations that the teachings of the physical therapist are unpopular, right? Um, and, you know, I would hear things like, you're going to make me do what? And are you trying to kill me? And all these other different things, right? And in that, in that moment, I was thinking, that'll preach, But I didn't tell him that, right? Too soon, too soon. Uh, But that was a place that that my mind started this week, and that's kind of how I want us to lead into our our Scripture lesson today. We're we're in the third week of this series, if you're just joining us. It's called Unpopular because it's based on some of the teachings, some of the words and actions of Jesus that to people, both then and now, uh, might be described as unpopular. And the reason why is because... Uh, some of those teachings were were difficult to hear and even more difficult to apply, right? Um, it's with some of those teachings that we sort of bump into this tension between our own human nature, uh, the values of the kingdoms of this world and the values of the kingdom of God and, and the character and nature of God. And so, so the purpose of this series is just to sort of Identify that and to dig into it and to acknowledge it because sometimes those are the things that we would rather not acknowledge We'd rather just kind of move on to the the uh, the easier things that are in the Bible But what we have to do is we have to uh, We have to take the whole Bible and and see what God's word has to say to us and so um so the purpose of unpopular, Lee said it great last week, uh, it's not to be offensive for the sake of being offensive, right? But it's to look at those places in the Bible where we can have a deeper understanding uh, not only of, of the knowledge of God, but what obedience to Christ looks like. And so we're not trying to stir up things or create conflict around hot-button issues. We're really trying to do what 2 Corinthians 10 says. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So it's about the knowledge of God and obedience to Christ. And in order for us to do that, sometimes we have to dig into these teachings that might be a little unpopular. Uh, Because the, the bottom line is this, Jesus comforted the afflicted, and he afflicted the comfortable. Uh, Sometimes he had things, uh, an encouraging word, and sometimes it was a challenging word. And and often it was both, right? Jesus had this uncanny way of saying something that both encourages us and challenges us. And so sometimes uh, people on all sides of an issue were equally offended by whatever Jesus was sharing with the people because he knew, I think, he knew that the heart of the matter, whatever the, the matter was, was a matter of the heart. Uh, Jesus knew that, uh, that it was a heart issue often, and so that's what he went for almost every time. If you think about it, I think that's why uh, he often responded differently to different people in different situations, because he knew exactly what was going on, not just in the moment, but in the hearts of the people who were involved. And because he knew what was going on in the hearts of the people, he knew what was needed to, to set them free, right? Because that's the goal. Uh, Jesus' goal was life, right? He said that. I came that you might have life, have it abundantly, have it to the full. And so whatever's in the way of that is what Jesus is, is going after. He's inviting us into this new way of living and thinking and feeling and acting in relationship with God and one another that brings new life. But in order for people to step into this new life of freedom, he knew that there were some things that people were going to have to let go of and, and even lay down. There were some things that, that the people Jesus was talking to needed to let go of in order to take hold of the new life that Jesus was offering them. The freedom that comes from, from giving it to him. And so if we're honest, there are some things that, that we probably need to let go of. Today, right, maybe some things that we've been holding on to that we need to let go of in order to take hold of the new life, the freedom that Jesus is offering us. Uh, this is a, a a time in our year, a weekend where we celebrate freedom and we give thanks uh, to be to live in a country where we have freedom and and those that have uh, sacrificed for us to be able to have that. Um, and as we gather in worship, I think it's important for us to be reminded of of the freedom that that Christ offers us, and the sacrifice He made, so that we might experience that. And so, whatever Jesus asks us to sacrifice, uh, we know that that there is purpose, and that there it's for our good. So, so as we hear God's word today, I hope that I hope that you'll realize that. Jesus isn't just talking to to them, that he's talking to us. So with that in mind, hear God's word for us today. This is Jesus talking to God's people in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right, That sounds pretty... Pretty uplifting, pretty good, pretty straightforward, right? But listen to how they respond. They answered him, "We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free?" Then Jesus replied, "Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free," then you will be free indeed. So here's what I think about this passage. The reason why I think that it falls under the category of unpopular is because Jesus is telling God's people that they can be set free, but but the problem for them was that they didn't think they needed to be set free from anything, right? That they were offended because they were operating under what uh, philosophers called the illusion of freedom, right? The illusion of freedom. Control This false idea that we are, as the, uh, the poet William Ernest Henley said, we are masters of our own fate. We are captains of our own souls. As human beings, we like to be in control, don't we? I know I do. And it's hard for us to think about that we might be enslaved to something or captive to something that, that keeps us from being all that we can be. And and if there's something that needs to be done, that it's something outside of our control, right? I think that's why this was a tough thing for God's people to hear. That's why this is an unpopular teaching. If you're like me, something inside of you sort of bristles at the idea of uh, not being in control, not being able to set ourselves free, so to speak. I wonder... How many of us here today are wrestling with that particular matter of the heart? Let me give you an example. How many of us have have read a scripture, or or maybe we've we've been in worship, or we've been somewhere, we've sensed the leading of the Holy Spirit, and yet we thought to ourselves, I. I don't think so, Jesus, (laughs) you know, I've got a better plan. I've got a better way to do this or um, or that just doesn't really work for me right now. This is that's too hard or that's too much or or I can never do that or I can never give that up. Is it just me or have you guys been in a situation like that before? Right. Um, And maybe you did. Maybe you responded and you saw how God did something unexpected or or maybe you didn't. And and you wish you had. I think I, if I'm honest, I've probably found myself on both sides of those equations in life. But sometimes we wrestle with that. Sometimes we wrestle with, with questions that, that reveal that deeper need for, for control. Uh, maybe you're wrestling with some questions right now. Maybe questions like, do I let go of all that stress and worry and give it to God and, and see what he can do with it? Because what I've been doing hadn't really been working the way that I wanted it to Or maybe a question like, well, do I really have to give up my hard-earned money in order to buy school supplies for people I don't even know? Or do I give up my Saturday to go uh, serve in in town or or have breakfast with a bunch of other uh, brothers or sisters in Christ? Do I leave the comfort zone that I'm in in order to uh, allow God to uh, lead me into a place that's unknown or uncomfortable? Am I willing to risk my reputation in order to allow my faith to guide this conversation that I know I need to have? Can I give God everything that has been in my life in order for him uh, to take it and use it for what it could be, to transform it? Have you ever asked questions like that? Sometimes those are the questions that we ask but not out loud, or maybe those questions that keep us up at night. I think all these questions, and maybe you've got some of your own, maybe, maybe those sound familiar or maybe you've got others that you've considered, but I think all these questions, uh, questions like those, reveal something much deeper that we, than the questions themselves. I think they, they reveal that when we wrestle with questions like that, there's this deeper wrestling. And it, and it really, at the heart of the matter, has to do with us giving up control and, and giving it to God. How much do I really believe that God is a loving father who has my best interest in mind? How much do I really trust that that God's going to give me everything I need if I give him everything that I am? You know, I think if we really believe that, if we really believe that, the question we would ask would be, how can I do it more? How can I give more of myself God so that God can give me more Of himself But that's hard to do isn't it It's easy to say it's hard to do Because those are some Of the questions I think that are buried Deep in our souls they're matters Of the heart and when I consider Those questions it helps Me understand a little bit better uh, Some of the things that Jesus said to his would Be disciples and and how they Responded uh, when He did when he gave them those those hard teachings, those unpopular things that he said that, that encouraged and also challenged. I, I think about the rich young ruler. You remember the rich young ruler? He had everything in the world that he, he, he wanted, right? And yet he asked Jesus the question. He says, what am I lacking? Remember that? Remember how Jesus responds? He tells him, Here's, this were Jesus' instructions. Sell everything that you own and follow me. Now, Jesus didn't say that to everybody, did he? Why did he say it to the rich young ruler? Well, I wonder if those were the instructions that Jesus knew would would set him free from whatever it was that was holding him back so that he might experience freedom. I think about uh, Nicodemus. You remember Nicodemus? He comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and this is a, a guy that has power and prestige. He was wealthy and he was well regarded in the community. Uh, he was revered in the religious comu- community. Um, do you remember what Jesus told him had to happen? He basically said, you got to start from scratch. You must be born again. If you've seen the series The Chosen, you you see the struggle in that of of Nicodemus wrestling to give up this old life that he's built with his own two hands in order to build his new life on the good news of Jesus Christ by placing his, his life in the hands of Jesus. What did Jesus see in Nicodemus that made him give that difficult instruction, right? If you notice throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus coming to people and meeting them right where they were, but not leaving them there, inviting them, challenging them to follow him into this new life, this new freedom, but it required leaving some things behind, right? Some answered the call and some didn't, but those who did experience life like they'd never experienced it before. When I thought about it that way this week, it helped me understand what Pastor Lee was talking about next last week when he said those who seek to save their lives will lose it but those who lose their lives will find new life in me just like following the instructions of that physical therapist those who choose to follow the instructions of Jesus discover new purpose even in in suffering they experience healing even in the hurt they find freedom even in surrender when we can look at, at our lives and our world and these things through the eyes of faith what we see is there's so much hope in these, high, these hard teachings of Jesus if Jesus asks us to do something it's for our good and, but that takes a lot of faith especially when it hurts especially when it's hard to see sometimes it even feels like a lot like death But the result is life. There's a word for that in the Bible, resurrection. And Jesus didn't just say it, he showed us the way. In fact, he is the way and the truth and the life. You shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? Set you free, right? So these aren't just words. This is Jesus offering his life for us, so that we might have life abundant, life eternal, so that we might share life together in Him, in Christ. That's the good news of God's grace, even in those hard teachings of Jesus. And so, the application of this, the the way that I'm uh, thinking about applying this to our lives uh, recently, is through um, my favorite daily devotional my friend J.D. Walt has been talking about uh, the two questions that we need to ask that we learn from Pentecost and it's what does this mean and what shall we do so uh, with regard to these hard teachings of Jesus I want to encourage you to wrestle with those questions today what does this mean and what, what shall we do uh, and while you do that I want to leave you with one more little illustration I think, uh, I think I've shared it with you before so you may recognize it, but it fits so well that I wanted to share it with you again today. And I, I recently heard it again. Uh, when Abby and I were on our retreat and a few months ago, uh, one of the retreat leaders brought it up. And uh, every day they had these little uh, object lessons that they would bring out to give us visuals. And um, and I meant to have the visual this week, and I didn't get a chance. You just have to imagine with me. But the retreat leader came out, and he had this, this coconut. And the coconut had a little hole cut in the side of it, and it was hollowed out. And around the coconut was tied this metal chain. And so he had this chain in one hand and, and this coconut in the other. And he said, does anybody know what this is? What And... um." And I did because I had done it in a sermon before, but I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to be, you know, that guy, the know-it-all kind of deal. So I wasn't saying anything, but but Abby was kind of nudging me in the ribs, and she was saying, you need to answer because everybody was just sitting there really quiet. And so so finally I raised my hand. I said, it's, it's a monkey trap. And, and the speaker seemed pleased that I had answered his rhetorical question, and so I didn't feel so bad about uh, answering. But he went on to tell us that, yeah, this... This is, uh, this is a monkey trap. Hunters use these homemade traps to catch monkeys in the wild. And the way it works is, uh, they tie the chain around the coconut and then they tie the other end of the chain around a big uh, heavy tall tree and, and monkeys will come along and evidently monkeys love rice. So they put the rice inside the coconut and the monkey will slide its hand through that little hole in the coconut and grab a hold of the rice and when he goes to pull his hand out, He can't get it out. He's stuck. Isn't that interesting? Um, But here's what's really interesting. This is the part that I'll never understand. They won't let go of the rice. They will hold on to that rice in their hands. And then they go quickly from being stuck to being trapped. They will actually stay there with their fists clenched. Until the hunters come back and unwrap the chain around the tree. And they will lead them into the cage with their hands still holding on to that rice. I will never understand it. But it helps me understand these unpopular teachings of Jesus. See, when Jesus says, sell everything you own and follow me. uh, You must be born again. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Drop your nets. Essentially, what I think he's saying is, drop the rice, let go, so that you can go free. He's inviting people like you and me to let go of whatever is enslaving them in order to take hold of what can truly save them. That's what he invites us to do. He doesn't want us to stay stuck. He wants us to be set free. But so many times, like those stories of God's people in the Bible, we don't even know we need to be set free, right? We don't even know we're holding on tight to that rice. So the question I want to ask you to consider today is, what is, what is that rice for you? What are you holding on to? What, to what have you become enslaved and to what do you need, from what do you need to be saved? What do you need to let go of in order to take hold of new life? What do you need to leave in order to receive the truth, the truth that will set you free, the new life In Christ If the son sets you free You're free indeed So not only Is it appropriate And and significant That this is 4th of July weekend It's also communion Sunday And I think that's important because You know one of the things we always say Is this is not a fellowship table It's not a United Methodist table This is Christ's table, and all who are seeking life in Christ to live in peace with God and with one another are invited to come. The the table is a place not just to receive, but to leave, to leave your burdens, to leave your worries, your sins, your struggles, so that you can receive the grace and forgiveness and mercy and love of God the Father through the sacrifice of his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm so thankful that we get to come to the table today. And there's some words that we say as we come to the table. Part of the Methodist liturgy uh, has a prayer of confession. And at the end of the prayer of confession, it has these powerful words that I pray will ring true in your hearts today. It says, forgive us, we pray, and free us for joyful obedience through Christ Jesus our Lord, my prayer for you and for me today is that through the forgiveness and grace and love of Jesus Christ that we might be set free for joyful obedience through Christ Jesus our Lord. So with that in mind, let's 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 come to the table and let's pray together. God, we come to you today acknowledging that that we are not in control. That you are God and we are not. That all of our attempts to control our lives, to to set ourselves free, have fallen short. God, we confess that, that we have not done your will, that we've broken your law, that we have done things we wish we hadn't and not done things we wish we had. That in many ways, Lord, we have failed to be an obedient church. We've not heard the cry of the needy, we've not loved our neighbors, we've not loved our enemies. Forgive us, we pray. Whatever is in the way, free us for joyful obedience through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God, we thank you today that we can approach your throne of confidence, throne of grace with confidence receive grace and mercy and love because of the truth that while we were yet sinners christ died for us that proves your love for us god i pray today that that truth would set us free to new life that's ours in and through your son jesus christ it's in his name that we pray amen I want to invite you today to join me as we proclaim uh, the truth, the uh, affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. It's on the uh, on the screen. I want to invite you to say this with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he was gathered with his disciples and he took bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to them and he said, take this and eat all of you. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. And so, God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit today on these gifts of bread and juice. We pray that you would make them be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, by your Holy Spirit. Make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty God. Now, And forever. And so now we pray together with one voice the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power. And the glory forever. Amen. The body of Christ. Broken for you. The blood of Christ. Shed for you. Thanks be to God. Uh, As our service comes to a close today, we're going to sing one more song. And as we do, uh, not only is the table open, the altar is open. If you'd like to come and pray, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. If you have any questions about a relationship with Christ or a relationship with this church, I would love to help you with that as well. You may just want to... Uh, come pray by yourself, and that's totally fine. You may want to grab somebody with you and come pray. You can stay in your seats and pray. You can uh, just listen to the words of the song, or you can sing it out. Whatever whatever you feel led to do this morning, I just want to invite you with these last few minutes to respond to however God is speaking to your heart today. Would you stand as we? Sing?